Yes, this is the cross, the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is uh, the most recognizable symbol of the Christian faith. Even a child would know what this is. Crosses are everywhere today. Yet we struggle to know why Jesus had to die on the cross. Have you ever thought about why Jesus' death had to be on the cross? You know, why was it not killed in a different way? Why didn't he die in a different way? Have you ever thought about that? All that God requires is shedding of blood for the remission of our sins. Or probably I'm overthinking this, maybe. But I think I have an answer for that. Uh, just stay tuned. I will share my why during the course of the message. Uh, let's say a short prayer before, before I continue. Father, we want to thank you once again for this great privilege that you have given to every one of us to be able to come together as your children, to worship together and to learn at your feet. And that we commit this moment into your able hand. We pray that you please take absolute control. I pray that you please speak through me. I pray that your words will give us light and understanding. And at the end, we're all going to be blessed. For in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right. So in the last four weeks, uh, we started the, the series on the book of Galatians. And um, the, in the first box, we've, got, we've, we've had different teachings. Like we've had uh, four teachings already. And the, the second box, uh, we have a list of teachings as well. So I'm, I'm starting off with Galatians chapter 3 from verse 1 to, to 14 today. And um, just like it was mentioned in the announcement, so the, the topic is redeemed from the cause, by the cause, redeemed from the cause, by the cross. So uh, I'm break, I'll be breaking down my message in three parts today. So the first part is going to be Galatians chapter 3 from verse 1 to 5. And the second part is going to be from verse 6 to verse 9. And the third part, which is going to be the last part, from verse 10 to 14. So that's the, the outline of my message today. So I'm, I'm going to start by reading from Galatians chapter 3 from verse 1 to 5. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? After beginning by means of the spirit, are you not trying to finish by means of the flesh? Have you experienced so much in vain, if it really was in vain? So again, I ask, does God give you a spirit and work miracle among you by the works of the flesh, by the works of the law, rather, or by you believing what you had? Very interesting passage. Uh, this is like a school teacher back in Africa, scolding his students for forgetting what he taught them. In, in this passage, we could see clearly, right, that Paul, Paul was angry. We could see only anger coming out from Paul, uh, which led to the use of 
strong words like foolish, as you can see in verse, in verse one. Actually, he used that word foolish a couple of times in, in, in the passage that I just read. And the use of word like bewitched, right? You know, these are very strong words. And um, some, some Bible uh, translations used for, for the word foolish, some of, some of the translations used words like stupid, like senseless and thoughtless. You know, if somebody have to use um, any of these words to me, or if they have to say it to me, I, I, I'm sure I'm not going to take it lightly with them. If somebody have to, um, if they have to call me foolish or say I'm stupid, and these are the words, you know, that Paul used for Galatians, right? And the word bewitched as well uh, is like saying someone is under a spell or somebody is hypnotized by false by the false teachers. Uh, we do watch uh, different kind of movies, you know, that we have, um, which is, you know, uh, when they're using their magic wand, you know, to, to cast spell on people. We know what happened when that, when that happens. There's some kind of transformation, a change in their behavior or a change in their, in their personality or a change even in their appearance. That's what happened. There is a change when somebody is bewitched or when, when somebody is put under a spell. So we could see that Paul was so hungry here. And the in the five verses that I read, these verses are full of questions. Right from verse one to the last verse, to verse five, questions. In fact, there's the particular verse that asks you questions. That's verse three, questions after questions. Why did Paul resolve to using strong words like foolish and asking question after questions? Uh, again, let me jog our memory. This actually, started in chapter one, right? From verse six to be precise. When Paul said he's astonished because the Galatians were trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. Let me read what he said in verse, verse six of chapter one. I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confession and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. Hmm. And that anger or that, that astonishment that started in chapter one of Galatians continues there in chapter three, right? In verse one, we could see that Paul was trying to remind them, right, how the story of Jesus Christ was told to them. And now their eyes were enlightened and they believed. That's all that happened when they heard about the gospel. So, verse one, who, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Who has turned you into this? This is not what you used to be. This is not what you used to know. Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed to you. That is to say, it, it showed them what the gospel is all about. Not that they saw Jesus Christ physically. It was simply by hearing and by believing the gospel. That's what happened. They heard and they believed. But things just changed along the line. Right. Just like Romans chapter 10 verse 17 says that consequently, faith comes from hearing the message. And the message is heard through the word about Christ. That's how we know about the gospel through hearing and by believing in our heart. That's just what the gospel is all about. But things change eventually 
for for the Galatians. In verse two, again, it's another question. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you had? He was trying to point out to them again, you believe what you had and this, by, that, by that belief, you receive the spirit of God. Right in this verse, the word spirit here represents the spirit of God, God himself. That's what that spirit means, right? So Paul was highlighting there that hearing the spirit, hearing the gospel comes before receiving the spirit. We receive the Holy Spirit when we believe in Jesus Christ. So Holy Spirit comes upon us. Immediately we surrender our life to Christ. And that's the evidence of our salvation. It is spiritual rebirth. It is spiritual transformation. That's what happened when you receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Tim Keller said, this is what Tim Keller said, unless you have the spirit, you haven't begun the Christian life at all. The spirit will make a difference in your life. That's what the spirit of God does when you give your life to Christ Jesus. There will be spiritual regeneration. Things you used to do, maybe ungodly things, you stop doing them. And that reminds me of what the book of First Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says. First Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. But that's actually not the case for the Galatians. Things are changing because of the first prophet. Who is trying, who, who is, who is trying to derail them? Verse 3 says, Are you so foolish? Again, it. Because see, Paul is just so hungry here. Are you so foolish? You started by means of the spirit because you believed you had the spirit. Now you are trying to finish by means of the flesh, by observing the ceremonial law, by observing, you know, uh, what, 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 what the Judaizers are trying to pass over to you. So it was sort of reminding them that the spirit, that they received the spirit by simply by simply because they believed what they had and not by observing any ceremonial law, law of Moses, circumcision, or ritual cleansing or dietary restrictions. No, it was simply because they heard and they believed, believed faith in God. That's all. That's how they received it in the first place. And that's how the spirit came upon them. Now, they are trying to, to finish by means of the flesh. So this really got Paul annoyed. He got Paul angry. And again, he was trying to remind them that justification is by faith only, not by means of the flesh, not by the things that you do, that or by the, by the things that the Judaizers say you have to do in order for your salvation to complete. No, it's just the gospel. That's the only thing that you need. He was trying to ask them, do you live by the spirit and faith or the flesh and law? They don't go in hand in hand, no. The flesh and the spirit, no. They can't work together. If you want to live in the spirit, you live in the spirit, you walk in the spirit. You can't walk in the flesh and live in the spirit. No, you can't combine the two together. It's not doable, it's not possible. Those who live in the spirit, 
We walk in the spirit. Hallelujah. Again, verse 4. Paul was trying to say here, despite everything they experience, you know, is, is, it, is it in vain? Are you not, all the miracles you experienced by the spirit of God, do you think is by the works of the law, by observing the works of the law? It's all because you believed what you heard. So that's what Paul was trying to address here. And that's why it, 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 it seems as if, it, 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 not that it seems as if, he was really hungry and he was trying to make his point again. He was trying to remind them, you know, how they received the gospel in the first place. So if you look at the life of the Judaizers, or we can call them uh, Judaist Christianity. So by the way, I need to first thank um, Louis, my dear brother, for, for this wonderful template that he shared so that I don't have to reinvent the wheel. So what the Judaizers are, what they are trying to say, we may hear um, some, th some themes repeatedly over the course of this, over the course of this um, series because there are some overlaps, because Paul was trying to emphasize his point. So, you know, in most of the chapters, you will see the same messages, same points keep coming up again and again. Judaizers, this was the Judaizers that trying to say that works of the works of the law plus Jesus Christ, or Jesus Christ plus works of the law, that's what you need for your salvation to be complete, for you to be able to stand right before God. That is the point. That's what they are trying to preach to the Gentiles. That's what they are trying to do. You know, that's the confusion they are trying to bring to the Gentiles. And now modern day, what are we trying to add to Jesus? Right? You're thinking that Jesus plus your religious duties or good work or good behavior or man-made doctrines, man-made doctrines, or you having a long list of don'ts will earn you your right standard before God or earn you God's favor. Or we had your righteousness. Let me tell you, you are doing it wrong. You are not getting it right. That's foolishness according to our dear brother, Apostle Paul. That's foolishness. That's foolishness. Trying to prove, trying to prove yourself to God by the things you do. You ain't doing it right now. Your self-effort, your self-righteousness, your religious duty, being so moral, pointing out, you know, other people's fault, thinking that, yes, oh, you are more superior than them, you do things better than them. And you are thinking all this behind you extra. Or maybe they're, they're going to hire you favor from God, or they're going to hire you right standing before God. You ain't doing it right. Is foolishness. That's what Paul is saying. All this won't make your salvation complete. You don't need all this for your salvation to be completed. You only need Jesus. That's the gospel. You only need to accept the Lord Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And that's how they started. But eventually, things turned all the way around for the Galatians. Jesus has completed Jesus has completed you. He has completed me. Let's, let's be reminded of that. When you realized that, that's when you actually become a Christian. 
when you know that Jesus Christ has completed you, there's nothing else for you to add. You're not depending on your own effort, your own ability. You're not trying to, oh, you know, do some good works in order not in order to earn God's favor or right standing before God. That's when you actually become a Christian. We must realize that we grow spiritually because of God's work in us by his spirit when we receive him as our Lord and Savior, not by following any special rules, not by following any any, any man-made doctrines. No, no. That is not what would make us you know, grow spiritually. No. All right. Let's move on to the second part. I'll read from verse six now. So also Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Hallelujah. In verse 6, Paul quoted Genesis 15, chapter 15, verse 6. He quoted it actually verbatim, word for word. This was even way back. I mean, this, this passage that Paul quoted was way back before the ceremonial law was enacted or put in place. Abraham was not even circumcised. He was not even circumcised at this point in time and in the book of Genesis chapter 15, verse 6. And then that, it, was, it was already credited to him as righteousness. What was credited to him as righteousness? His belief in God, his faith in God. That was all. No circumcision, no ceremonial law, and God credited to him as righteousness simply because what? He believed in God. So what was Paul trying to do here? Actually, before then, Abraham got circumcised in Genesis chapter 17. That was after Genesis chapter 12 that, you know, Genesis chapter 15, rather, that, that Paul quoted. He got circumcised in Genesis chapter 17 when he was 99 years old. Meanwhile, the main argument of the Judaizers was that Gentiles had to become Jews in order to become Christians. Paul exposed this flaw. It was like Paul flawed them completely in this argument by showing that real, real children of Abraham are those who have faith, not those who keep the law. Those who have faith, just like Abraham believed in God, those are the real children of Abraham. Those are the real children of Abraham, not the, the Jewish who claim to be the children of Abraham. No, it's simply those who have faith in God, like Abraham did. Abraham himself was their father and was saved by faith. He was saved by faith. I'm going to, Romans chapter 4, verse 16, you know, both traces this as well. Romans chapter 4, verse 16 says, Therefore, the promise comes by faith, so that it may be by grace. And may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring, 
not only to those who are of the law, the Jewish who are of the law. No, not just for them only, but also to those who have the faith of Abraham is the father of us all, both Jewish and Gentiles. Abraham is our father, as long as what? We have faith in God, just like Abraham did. So in verse eight, again, we saw Paul quoting Genesis chapter 12, verse three. Scripture for so that God will justify the Gentiles by faith, right? In verse, in, I'm going to read quickly Genesis 12, 3. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever causes you, I will cause. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. This is the covenant that God had with Abraham, that all peoples on earth will be blessed through him. Hallelujah. But the interesting part, the interesting thing in that, in that, in that verse 8 is that it says, Scripture announced this gospel in advance to Abraham. How did that happen? There was no scripture during that time. So how did scripture announce gospel in advance to Abraham? This is what Tim Keller said. This is what Tim Keller said. He said, we only understand the gospel through the scripture. Without the scripture, there is no gospel. Anything God said, scripture said, and anything scripture said, God said. I think that answers it all. That verse 8. Hallelujah. So the scripture announced the gospel in advance to Abraham. That all nations will be blessed through Abraham. So we are all children of Abraham because of faith. We are blessed through the blessing of Abraham because we are Abraham's offspring, Abraham's seed. Hallelujah. All believers in, in every age, just like we read in verse 9, all believers in every age, from every nation, every bag, whatever background, you know, as long as you have faith in God, just like Abraham did, you share Abraham's blessing. We share that same blessing. This is a comforting promise to us, a great heritage for us, and a solid foundation for living. Hallelujah. But the Judaizers, they are getting it drunk. And Paul exposed their flaw. That your father Abraham, this is who he, this is who he was, this is what he did. And it was counted. It was credited to him as righteousness. All right, this is, yeah, I already quoted what Sting Killer said. That's, that's it. We only understand the gospel through the scripture. Without the scripture, there is no gospel. Anything God said, Everything, anything God said, said, scripture said. Moving on to the, all right, going back to what I said at the start, that I will share what I think about why Jesus' death had to be on the cross. You know, wh while I was pondering on this, a passage came to mind, Numbers chapter 21, right? And I also remember what one of our elders said exactly two years today, you know, which was the first episode uh, during the, the series of Christ in the Old Testament. And that was, I think, um, our first Sunday at RBC as well, interestingly. He said, the new is in the old concealed. The old is in the new revealed. I believe some of us will remember, you know, uh, that, that sentence. 
And that's exactly what, what I saw in this passage I'm going to read now uh, quickly. Numbers chapter 21 from verse 4 to 9. They traveled from Mount Hor along the route to the Red Sea to go around Edom. But the people grew patient, impatient on the way. They spoke, against, they spoke against God and against Moses and said, Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? There is no bread, there is no water, and we detest this miserable food. Then the Lord sent venomous snakes among them. They beat the people and many Israelites died. The people came to Moses and said, we sinned when we spoke against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord will take these snakes away from us. So Moses prayed for the people. Then verse eight, the Lord said to Moses, make a snake and put it up on a pole. Anyone who is beaten can look at it and leave. So Moses made a bronze snake and put it up on a pole. Then when anyone was beaten by a snake, and looked at the bronze snake, they lived. Hallelujah. Jesus Christ himself referred to this incident, incident rather, in reference to his own mission in John chapter 3, verse 14 to 15. This is what he said. And as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the son of man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in name we have eternal life. Hallelujah. That's exactly why I believe Jesus have to die on the cross. But if you have another reason, please feel free to share it, you know, after our uh, family Bible hour. Although we cannot be certain, you know, why God chose death by crucifixion for his son, however, we know that this manner of death was a fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies about the coming Messiah. Hallelujah. We also know that through his suffering, Jesus, God's only son, paid the penalty of the sins of the world, including yours and mine. Now going to the last part. Freedom from the cause of the law. From verse 10. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a cause. As it is written, cost is everyone who does not continue to do everything within the book of the law. Clearly, no one who relies on the law is justified by God because the righteous will live by faith. Or we can say the just will live by faith. The law is not based on faith. On the contrary, it says, the person who does these things will live by them. Verse 13, Christ redeemed us from the cause of the law. By becoming a cost for us, for it is written, cost is everyone who is hung on a pole or on a tree, just like we read in, in Numbers. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. I love this. So that by faith, we might receive the promise of the Spirit. So again, in, in verse 10, we could see Paul quoting Deuteronomy 27, chapter 27, verse 26. You know, like word for word, cause is anyone that does not uphold the words of the Lord by carrying them, by carrying them out. So this is to prove again that contrary to what the Judaizers claimed, the law cannot justify and save. It can only condemn. That's what the law does. The law only condemns. You know, it's just like those of us who drive. Right, we know that there are, there are, there are road signs 
their speed limit on the road. They are there for us, right? And if, if, if we, for any reason, right, go beyond the speed limit and the police is right somewhere in the corner, you, you'll be caught and you'll be penalized because the law is there. The signs are there and the speed limits are there. So that's what the law does. The law is there to condemn, right? The, and during the, the days of, 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 um, of uh, during in the, in the, in the only time, during the days of the, the, the Judaizers or the Galatians, right? The law is the cause upon all mankind. Generally, let's say the law is a, is a cause upon all mankind. We cannot fulfill its requirement. No one, the, 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 the laws are numerous. The ceremonial laws, they are, they are numerous. Some Bible, call, some Bible scholars say there are, are over 600 laws in Jew, the, the, the law of Jews, over 600 laws. And it's hard to keep up. It's hard to keep up with them. It's hard to fulfill all this law. How do you do it? How do you keep up with it? Breaking even just one brings a person under condemnation. So it's hard to rely on the, on the law. On the works of the law, it's basically putting people under a cause, a big cause. That's what it is. Hallelujah. So verse 11, those who try to justify themselves by the law is bringing cause upon themselves and not the father's blessings. So that's what happens when you are trying to justify yourself by the works of the law. You know, you are bringing cause upon yourself and not the blessings that we're supposed to receive as children of Abraham, trying to be right with God, you know, making your own effort, you know, just to make sure that yes, God can favor you, God can make, God can bestow or credit righteousness unto you. No, no, that's, that's completely wrong. The righteous will live by faith. That's what it says again, verse 11. The righteous will live by faith, hallelujah. The law is not based on faith, no. No, it's not based on faith. It's, it's, it's the opposite. It's, it's, this, it's the gospel that is based on faith, not the law. So verse 13 says, we've been redeemed from the cause of the law. What does it mean to redeem? It means to buy back or to buy. There is an exchange, you know, when you redeem something. It's just like when you redeem a gift voucher for a gift. You exchange your voucher for a gift. That's what happened. There is an exchange. This is what Martin Luther said about the death of Christ. He said that is the great exchange. Is the great exchange. What do we exchange? What was the exchange that happened on the cross? You know, we must understand this, right? The exchange that happened, the, the cause that we're supposed to, to be that's supposed to be placed upon us. Jesus Christ exchanged that cause, right? And he gave us his righteousness. He took that course upon himself, right? That's what happened. Second Corinthians, this is what Second Corinthians have to say. Second Corinthians 5.21, it says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. He was made sin for us. So that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. So Jesus died for us and was raised up to new life so that we can be forgiven of our sins and rescued from captivity and set free to express our gratitude for all that Jesus has done. The only condition is just to accept Christ's death on, on our behalf as the means to be saved 
So that was the exchange that happened on the cross of Calvary. That's, that was the exchange. The penalty, the cost is the, is the penalty levied for not keeping the law. The law can point out where we fall or where we fail or fall short of God's will, but it cannot pronounce us righteous. That was not his purpose. The Savior took upon himself the penalty of our sins and he gave us in place, he placed on us the righteousness of Jesus Christ, his own righteousness. That's what we got in exchange. That's how Christ redeemed us from the cost of the law so that we can receive Abraham's blessing. Hallelujah. So in a nutshell, so this is what Paul was trying to say to, to the Galatians. Now, law of Moses, a circumcision, name it, any ceremonial law, ritual cleansing, dietary restrictions, you've been redeemed from them. You don't need to keep up with them. All you need is just the gospel. Just the gospel for you to have right standing before God. You are justified by faith, not by all these works of the flesh, not by, you know, Observing all the law of Moses' circumcision? No, you don't need it. All right, this is a formula that I come up with. You know, I love formula. I think I, I, the last message I had, I, I also shared a formula. So in a nutshell, what Paul was saying is, Jesus plus nothing is all we need. That's what the gospel is. And that's everything. Jesus plus nothing is everything we need. And according to John Stott, this is a this is a quote from John Stott. I think this came from his book, uh, "The Cross of Christ." The gospel is not good advice to men, but good news about Christ. Not an invitation to us to do anything, but a declaration of what God has done. Not a demand, but an offer. Are we not blessed? Jesus plus nothing. Not until when we are well, not until when we realize Christ as the Alpha and Omega, right? We may still be trying to add other things to Jesus in order for our salvation to be complete. You cannot think you already know enough about the cross. This message is for young believers, is for even those who have been in, in Christ for ages. You know, the, the, the message of the gospel is for everybody. Nobody is excluded. No matter how long you've been, you've been, in, uh, uh, you've been a Christian, you've been in the Lord. Hmm. Hallelujah. So, Proverbs peradventure, there's somebody listening to me today and you've not given your life to Christ. Uh, this is another opportunity for you. Uh, remember, Christ has been lifted up, just like uh, we read earlier on. And uh, thank goodness for the uh, for the songs we had today, right? Even from uh, from the breaking of bread, you know, uh, the one that Adriana shared, the one that Adriana sang rather. You know, I look upon the cross where you died, and that's another call for somebody today to look upon the cross where Christ died. You know, you can make this confession. And all you need is to believe and confess him as your Lord and Savior. So uh, probably I'll just give you some seconds. If you are out there, can say this prayer. It's, it's, a, it's a prayer 
uh, the I go from the from Psalms chapter fifty one. From Psalm, Psalm chapter fifty one, have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions, wash away all my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin, for I know my transgressions and my sins is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your eyes, so that you are proved right when you speak and justify when you judge, when you judge. Surely I have been a sinner from birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Cleanse me with my with, with Esau, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then will I teach transgressors your ways and sinners will come back to you.